I said just a bit ago how fun it is to watch the, the populating of the screen and knowing that with each with each little screen you're you're showing up and that is oh, that just kind of sends a thrill into my heart um, to be connected with all of you in this way so why don't we go ahead and let everybody anybody else who's going to be coming in come in with us as we get started um I'm Suzanne Kilkis. I'm here in Madison, Wisconsin, the entrusted teacher I'm with Open Door Zen Community. And um, uh, most of you probably know that Flint is away caring for his mom. So um, he's asked us teachers to assist in inquiry, which is always just such an honor and a privilege to do that, to sit in his seat and to be here with you. So why don't we just go ahead and begin our practice of settling in to 10-12 um, minutes of silence with each other. As you notice yourself moving into this quiet, silent place, you might ask yourself, how soft can my breath be? How calm and still can my body be? And how can soft breath and calm body assist in quieting my mind? Soft breath, calm body, quieting mind. Silence.
So let's recite the verse of the robe. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. For those of you who came online after I introduced myself, <clears throat> I'm Suzanne Kilkes here in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, the entrusted teacher at Open Door Zen Community. Here at Open Door, we begin all of our talks with homage to our ancestors and teachers. Um, we come into life through our personal families. We are here on the land of our indigenous ancestors who we owe a great debt to and offer our practice in acknowledgement of that debt and in their honor. And I am I know that that is true from wherever you are, whatever part of the planet you're on. We express gratitude for them who embody the spirit of place of the land and this earth. We are here as Zen practitioners and bow to our spiritual ancestors, beginning with the Buddha. Our practice is an expression of gratitude to our teachers, Flint, Peg, and all the teachers who support us on this path. Thank you for coming, everyone, from wherever you are, in whatever time zone and in whatever state your weather is in. I know there's been troublesome, at least here uh, uh, on stateside, uh, for many of us. So. So thanks for coming and um, letting yourself have this time. I want to offer some remarks about basic goodness, our true nature. It, this thought or this teaching is inspired by our winter retreat day here this last Sunday by Joel's talk last week, which I found so inspirational and by Flint's talk a few weeks ago when he used an image of a white fabric scarf with knots in it to show us how our true nature, basic goodness, runs through the conditioning of our lives. We seem to be more familiar with our conditioning, don't we? The struggles, the challenges, and patterns of behavior that concern us and cause suffering for ourselves and others. We express this in the repentance chant, all my ancient tangled karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion. Um, that's for those of you who are familiar with it. Um, for those of you who aren't, it's quite a stark, direct statement of owning our human conditioning that runs down through time. It's not personal. It's just part of being who we are in these bodies. However, in my experience and hearing from others, I don't often hear descriptions and expressions of something more significant to notice. Basic goodness. If I do, it is often with some caveat, making sure that the other doesn't take us as bragging or thinking too good of ourselves. But basic goodness is not a personal characteristic. Although we are in charge of expressing ourselves and our lives from this deep reality, which is what one of the really important and precious things the Buddha discovered in his awakening. Basic goodness is the bedrock of life. The stream of true nature running through all of life, including each of us. I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, have heard some version of this before. 
And yet it's often, we often know it more as a concept, such as it is what the robe chant is getting at. Um, when we say vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Opening and awakening to basic goodness was a significant theme for Joko Beck. In her recently published teachings, Ordinary Wonder, she offers this. When we can let go of the thought-based personal desire for things to work out a particular way, for the first time, the pain that we feel can begin to open up. And when it opens up, the feeling gets clear and quiet. And at the end, there's silence and wonder. Finally, there's nothing, just wonder. Underneath all our difficulties, there's this well of silence, which is real wisdom. Whatever you want to call it, it's there. I want to see if I can bring this up as a screen share. Because it's really important to see it. <clears throat> and I'm going to go through it again and make some comments about it. Um, Joko, in her directness, in her, with what a lot of people have said is her fierceness, what she was so deeply, completely dedicated to is that we really get it, get that underneath all this trouble is this deep well of wisdom, what I'm calling basic goodness. So here it is. When we let go of the thought-based personal desire for things to work out a particular way, and we can know that we're caught in that when frustration arises, when disappointment arises, when irritation arises, we know we're caught in, I just really want it my way. Why can't it be that way? But she goes on and says, for the first time, the pain that we feel can begin to open up. And lots of times we don't think that's possible because we get very attached or we start identifying with that pain, that, that constriction, the contraction that we have about not getting things to be the particular way we want. But her wisdom coming from her experience and practice, I'm sure. When it opens up, the feeling gets clear and quiet. That often surprises people. I've certainly been surprised by it. And I've sat with people who were so surprised that in the opening, it transforms. And of course, it's, it's, it demonstrates the truth of impermanence. Nothing lasts forever. So it gets clear and quiet. And at the end, there's silence and wonder. Finally, there's nothing, just wonder. I'm guessing many of you have had that experience and probably have said something like, ah, oh, when you noticed it. I listened to an interview with uh, Dr. Keltner this week about his new book on awe. He's been studying awe and wonder for a dozen years or more. He's a professor of psychology at the University of California, Berkeley, um, and the director of the Greater Good Institute there. Um, and he, he, he's been fascinated with awe and wonder. And this is exactly what Joe Kobeck is talking about here. Underneath all our difficulties, there's this well of silence. I really love that phrase, well of silence, because we often think of, of silence as kind of nothing, but a well is nothing, isn't nothing. A well is a form. It's a, a container 
that holds us and holds silence, which is real wisdom. This silence in this way is real wisdom. Whatever you want to call it, and I personally like to call it basic goodness, it's there. It's always there. <clears throat> so the question might be, at least sometimes it's mine, can we welcome and embrace this wonder, this basic goodness, the wisdom, the real wisdom that Joko speaks of? And how would we do this? Well, we know we can't do any of this alone. The Appamata model and perspective teaches Zen as relationality. We are in intimate relationship with ourselves, with other beings, with everything we experience in this very moment. Thus, all practice is always done in connection with everything else, whether we're aware of it or not. Doesn't matter if we're alone or with another, whether we're practicing on our own or engaging in sitting with others as we're doing right now. But as mammals, we tend to forget our relationality when we're suffering. We think we need to go it alone to retreat into the cave of our pain. And that's kind of how we're wired in a sense. But being human beings, we have we have something else are at our availability. We might buy into relationality until we're in trouble and then we suffer separation. I'll get back to you when I'm through this is a common sentiment or line we hear. In fact, I've actually heard something like this a few times in the last week. It's not the only way people um, uh, handle this, but it is a lot of the time. I'm suggesting here that when we're willing to connect in basic goodness, we not only know relationality as a concept or basic goodness as a concept, we feel it sensually. We know it in our bones, in our bodies, and we get that we are not alone and separate from others and life. Basic goodness is always in everything, every moment, <clears throat> every being. Through the lens of relationality, we recognize, we feel, and we know the truth of basic goodness. So here's a very short practice I'm going to invite us to try on. I'm going to say three short statements to you and ask that you see or feel what occurs to you as you take them in. Of course, there's no right and wrong experiences, as we often say here. Just notice and be curious. So go ahead and take a couple of good breaths. Full inhale and a complete exhale. By virtue of you being here, I see your basic goodness. By virtue of you being here today, I see your basic goodness. By virtue of you being here, I feel your basic goodness. By virtue of you being here today, I feel your basic goodness.
the basic goodness that you are benefits me, everyone here, and all beings. The basic goodness you are benefits me, everyone here, and all beings. Now, whatever came up for you, we always have assistance from our ancestors to understand, offer compassion, and turn us a bit into a new perspective, maybe. One of them I heard of recently, a very popular lay practitioner and master of the early 6th century, Fudashi, was a fisherman and a farmer who cultivated fields while engaging in continuous practice. During famines, he sold everything he had and used the resources to help others. He clearly was a bodhisattva of the first order. I'm closing my remarks with one of his poems. He offers us the gift of considering basic goodness at our core. Here it is. Every night, go to sleep together with Buddha. Each morning, arise together with Buddha. Moving or still, actions mirror each other. If you wish to know where this Buddha is, just say the word, and there the Buddha is in the sound of your own voice. Let's open up now uh, to the sound of your Buddha voices. What is it you want to offer? Know that even if, if you have questions, that's an offering because other people may have questions and it is a reflection of you, which is always an offering, of course. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Marie. And, and everyone, and thank you. Um, at a situation yesterday where I clearly was frustrated and irritated, um, and um, it came out with, in, in a business situation with the person that I work with. And um, I thought about it a lot later, and I'm repentant for, you know, this kind of frustration that I that I expressed. And um, that's where I'm at, you know, I and I'm thinking about what you said about what Joko was and, and the, the phrases that you that you put up there about how you move into wonder and I'm, I'm not I'm like at the repentance part and I have scheduled a meeting where I will tell folks, you know, how I feel. Um, but yes, if you have any thoughts about moving from at least this part where I am to the more open, expansive, wonder, mm -hmm. awe part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Uh, this, this dates me, of course, to a very old television program, but it was a program called Columbo, the detective who solved all of the mysteries by curiosity. And he would say, and when, you know, when he was, you know, probably meeting with the person who committed the crime, he would say, I wonder. And then he would, you know, then he'd go, he asked the question. And, you know, that phrase, I wonder, or that prefix to anything else we're going to say after it, it's, it's such a powerful move to make because it shifts our brain from repentance and regret to curiosity. I wonder, and you know, it might be, I wonder where that frustration came from. I wonder what that was connected to in my history or in my relationship with these people. I mean, it can go any way, actually. 
but a question that actually it came out of our time together in our sangha on sunday i talked with uh, flint really inspired me with this scarf do you remember the scarf he used a few weeks ago i have one of those and so i took it and i put knots in mine and i took it to our retreat day and i passed it around when we were talking about this and um, then somebody asked it to be passed around a second time. And one of our people said that in the second passing around when she was feeling the knots, she got that basic goodness was in the knots. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yes. Basic goodness. I mean, to even let yourself consider basic goodness is in the frustration you experienced wow so what happens when you go wow uh yeah yeah there it is and i think it's um Self-forgiveness, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it felt so bad. Mm -hmm. Any turning against ourselves, Rosemary? Rosemary? is does feel bad yeah is very painful yeah yeah mm -hmm. thanks mm -hmm. thank you for coming up mm -hmm. thank you we have nelda next mm -hmm. Hello, Suzanne. Hello, Nelda. Thank you so much for bringing this offering. Thank you so very much. Um, before you mentioned this formless field of benefaction, I felt it calling me with its basic goodness. Um, it was inviting me to stand in it as we sometimes don't in that this moment in this field. And it was it was the most amazing feeling to do that and to stand in um, all of your energy, especially as you were saying to us, I see your basic goodness. I feel your basic goodness. This morning in Sazen, there's a lovely um, young man who comes. Oh, I don't know how old he is. I call him a young man. Um who comes periodically to Sazen for whatever reason. And I could feel his mind heart. He's in Scotland. I could feel his mind heart across the ocean, across the, you know, the, the, the continents. I, I, I could feel it. And so thank you for reminding us that we can touch each other um, consistently. Every moment, whether we see each other or not, as in those knots. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for this offering. Thank you so much, Nelda. That's a wonderful description of physical distance not having any meaning there. You know, our vagus nerve gets activated no matter what the physical distance is, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hello, Joel. Wonderful to see you. Thank you for this wonderful mm. teaching. It's really, it's so evocative. I've been, I've been reading the book that the parable of the knotted scarf comes from, I believe. Oh, okay. I, I, I missed actually that inquiry where Flint was describing it, but there's a, a new book by 
Robert Rosenbaum, who's a Zen teacher in Berkeley, who's an old friend of Flint's, and he's referred to it a number of times. Yeah. And, I, and I was reading about the the, um, the example of the knot, and he it's a deep, deep teaching about how we approach the world, how we perceive who we are in the world and what the world is and all of that stuff. Very deep. <clears throat> um, I, I have a knot that I want to describe to you. Mm -hmm. And um, I, you've heard about it, you've heard about it before, Suzanne. So I have a family member whom I yearn to connect with but I'm scared of. Uh, there have been, I, I would say that, that, that the relationship is volatile. It may be friendly. <clears throat> For me, it's always strange because I'm always on tiptoe expecting a moment of anger to, to, to or, or anger to flare up, you know. So, and that's, so that is a knot, and I've tried many years of therapy and many years of holding this in practice and and I what I come down to just listening to you today is <clears throat> to hold both of the the parts of me that yearn for something in a bigger space you know there's part of me that that yearns for connection and part of me that yearns for remaining self-protective and and uh avoiding the risk of injury you know uh, and i um i about a year ago i was in regular contact with this family member and and then i let it slide for a while and now <clears throat> my problem is that i can't think of a way to be in contact that doesn't kind of reinforce the imbalance in our or the power relationship in our relationship. You know? mm -hmm. That it'll be me apologizing, mm -hmm. forgiving, you know, maybe or maybe not, mm -hmm. etc. And I'd like, I, I cannot find the ends of that knot to, to ease it apart. You know? So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not asking for therapy here, <laughs> but I wanted to be able to describe it. Yeah. Well, by this group. You know, yeah. uh, because it because of the the warmth and generosity that I know and I can see on so many faces, yeah. and that that is so healing for me. And you know, oh. maybe I'm never going to get what I want. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to stop focusing on what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Something I don't know how, but I don't know how that would be. Uh -huh. advice? If, if one were to let go of what you want, yeah, in a, in a situation analogous to what I'm describing, is there a way to do that? Well, that's the thing, Joel, is we don't know what's on the other side of that. <clears throat> right? We don't know what's on the other side. Yeah. But yeah. when we become willing to, you know, if we follow what Joka was, Joka was suggesting, or is offering us is the willingness to let go, to pause in a very loving, kind way, and let ourselves open to the feel of what you're speaking of. And the pain is evident. And I saw people nod as you were speaking. So this people recognize these kind of difficulties with loved ones and family members. Because when we do that, what she's teaching is that something happens. It changes. And then we get to face that we get to turn toward that. And it may be you can't turn toward that alone, Joe. Hmm. It, in, I'm not suggesting you turn toward it with the family member, you know, but it may be that you need to have, you know, somebody next to you, with you, and turning toward it. Thank you, Suzanne. Yeah, yes. Mm -hmm.
So, hello, uh, Debbie. Hello. Um, Joel just gave very good voice to something I've been with for quite a while mm -hmm. uh, in terms of um, my younger daughter uh, having a fairly, since she was a young adult, that she responds to anything that's not okay with her by estranging herself from me, from other family members and so on. And that each of the times I've tried to go through the thing of, of just saying, yes, you know, uh, when, when you're ready, I'm here loving you, you know, and in one way and another. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes we would, you know, have a period of time of being together, but never really, she was never open to look at it together. What, what that part was and then it happens again and and so on and this last time because I was so ill I just didn't I, I didn't have something in me that said the most important thing is for me to reassure her uh, and so it's been two and a half years perhaps now since I've heard from her or seen her and uh, or talked to her uh, and but I chose not to not to be the initiator of something that I've spoken to and you know so on. But also I found that I was able to let go to the degree that I haven't dwelled on it. I haven't um, I haven't cried. I haven't any of those things that had happened for me earlier on. Uh, but that. Somewhere in me, I was really able to say, I need to let go of this, that of this part, not her. I'll yeah. never let go of her, yeah. but in my heart, uh, but that I, I can't fix this. And I'm, I think it's important for her to take a step if, if a step can be taken. Mm -hmm. and, and that gave me more peace about it for quite a long time. And now I'm just actually this morning, I put out a card on my table that I'd like to just at least let her know where I'm living now. And, um, and you know, that I've uh, been able to have some, some treatment for my cancer that's working fairly well and, um, and so on. But that wasn't actually why I would originally I mean, Joel hadn't spoken and, and evoked that for me as well in, in terms of that. Um, the Becky, before you go on to the next, I just want to say you said something really important about to let go of the situation does not mean that we let go of our loved one. Oh, absolutely not. Yes. These are, this is a very important distinction. Mm -hmm. Because when we experience... Um, the other go into the cave of their own suffering. Sometimes it, we can do the invitation and you've done that. It sounds like you've put yourself on the outside of the cave and said, I'm here. And that's the most that we can do. That's the stuff we're in charge of. And then we have to let go of what we don't have control of. Because it has suffering. Yes. Yeah. For everybody, really. Yeah, everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I just wanted to not lose that piece because it was. I thought it was so important. As you were talking about about our 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 basic kindness, our all goodness, etc. Mm -hmm. um, the the way I see it is the same way I see love is that I don't do the loving the loving is out there in everything that is alive in everything that carries energy it's out there and just like so many things i can either be open to that and let it be through me in me through me mm -hmm. uh, like grace i mean none of us can accomplish grace mm -hmm. it's something that that comes through us somehow. And I think that, that that's true for, for our, our goodness, our, any of the aspects of all of that, mm -hmm. is that it's not ours and it's not us doing it. Although we 
can either be open or closed to what is out there and that can come through us. But we have to be, I have to be, I have to be, I mean, anybody, the rest of you can be whatever you want to, but you know, I have to be um, open to that. And part of what, you know, part of what everybody was talking about too, though, is, is that we have a lot of things that go on that keep us from being open. And, you know, fear, fear of, of um, the kind of reaction we'll have, fear of, you know, loss, fear of lots of things that go on around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the other thing I wanted to say from your talk is it's so interesting to me what happens with the words because awe and wonder are pretty powerful things. Mm-hmm. But in our language, when we say wonderful, it's been made, made trite again. Mm-hmm. And so, so we almost have to say full of wonder in order to convey that. Mm-hmm. And awful? Oh my gosh. You know, like awful? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I think that full of awe mm-hmm. is an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to thank you for for having that happen in my brain to recognize the ways that we fail to communicate so often because of the limitations of language. Mm -hmm. And so, yes. And I thank you again, Suzanne. I I really appreciate every time I have the opportunity to be with you, Mm -hmm. uh, either in this context, and I'd love to find some more ways to. Thank you for that wonderful teaching about our languaging. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's me next. Oh, it's you. Okay. Hello, Maria. Hi. Um, Yeah, I loved what you said about um, the basic goodness is in the knots because I think that's what I've discovered in one aspect of of my life in a relationship in my life and I was listening to what Joel was was saying and Becky and and um and it was just really reminded me of my mother and my relationship with my mother and how whenever I met with her I was always felt internally strangulated and hurt and injured and triggered it was like being electrocuted many times (laughs) internally with her presence and but by with the practice and and using some of the lojongs as well the lojong practice really helped me to just kind of really be in the presence of my mother feel the reactivity and the knots and the hurt and and for years i just had the reactivity and that just made me feel bad like i'm i'm wrong i'm bad i'm these are horrible feelings but it was like i was horrible Mm -hmm. and when i began to sit with them and just give them a little bit of space I really began to see what I was doing and what my part in that was. You know, yes, my mother's fiery and feisty and is everything that she is, but there was my part in that, my part of, um, you know, the, the my expectations I had of my mother, of how she should be mm-hmm. and what she should be and that she's not loving and she's not caring and that, you know, needing her to be all those things. and. And then when all my conditioning and all when I was unraveling the knots and giving them oxygen, everything that I was kind of came out and I just looked at it and I really be able to begin to see everything that I am in that, that it isn't, you know, that I I don't have to have that reactivity. I can do something different. I can. It's not something forever that I'm trapped in. I can. I actually felt it begin to soften. And, And then when it softened. I really began to see my mother, her vulnerability, her mm. difficulty, how she struggles in the world, how she uses anger and drama as a way of, of kind of dealing and feeling and, and just navigating. And I really began to get this huge love mm. for my mother and, and began to fall in love with her and, and just really see her you know and then all the injuries and i mean i still get you know all you know there's still the but it's different it's like it's like ah there it is and it's okay maria i give myself the love i say it's all right it's okay and i'm able to tend to those parts that she used to trigger or that still you know she still kind of can trigger but 
the how that space opened up was incredible when I began to loosen the knots and and how that kind of really helped me to just really see what I hadn't seen if I was so caught up in reactivity I couldn't see my mother at all mm. I could just feel my responses and so yeah I really like that image of this this um basic goodness in those knots because by looking at them to, it was really painful to turn towards them and look at what I was doing mm-hmm. and oh do I do that and is that me and you know that is that really my part yeah. or is it my mum doing that and it, it was really quite a journey to start to look at what my part was in that but yes. gosh it's just changed everything yes that's what the hero's journey is about isn't it or the heroine's journey that's what it's about you know you're on the true path when we separate from what we don't have control over in the other person and what we do have charge of in ourselves. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just a beautiful description of that, Maria. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And it is just like it's transformative and it, it's sitting zazen that's really helped oh, to kind yes. of just step back, see everything that it is I do without messing with it. Yes about touching it, manipulating it, just just seeing it and having that space has really helped me to unravel all that I am and, and be able to see them, me and other. Mm-hmm. All and obviously I've got a lot more work to do. <laughs> I think that's called life, Maria. <laughs> thank you so oh, much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I see we've got Pam. You're muted, Pam. <clears throat> well, hello, Pam. How good to see you. Good to see you too. And that is actually what I just wanted to say. I have really enjoyed being in Enquiry when you have led it and listened to someone I haven't been able to be here. And I just mostly just wanted to say hello and thank you. And there is I love the part about the loving kindness. I think that's the word that you put on it. Um, basic goodness. Is that what you're saying? Goodness, that was what it was. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, that's what it was. Well, loving um, kindness is a really important thing too. Yes, it is. It is. So um, my brain doesn't work the same as it used to. <laughs> so I I flip-flop things more than I used to. Anyway, um, um the basic goodness that that runs through everything and including ourselves Mm -hmm. so that was what what really caught my attention and what you said this morning and it goes right in with the knots because a lot of times you know if i'm doing something nice for someone then it's easy for me to see oh i'm doing something that could be called basic goodness that's flowing through me that right now but when we get into those knots and start untangling them Mm and come up with the things that we like and the things that we don't like mm-hmm. about ourselves and um, and see that that basic goodness is right in there. It, to me, it kind of looks like a seed and sometimes it can't sprout until, like Maria says, we give it a little space, a little oxygen until we, we, we allow that to happen when it's really closed down, there's no, there's no space for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, that these are such good teachings that you are all giving about uh, allowing ourselves to rest into whatever is going on. Yeah. So that we have the possibility of opening it up as Joko is is saying, here's what happens mm-hmm. when we rest in it, when we let let go of going and it might be just a, oh, I don't have control of that thing. Right. And then comes that possibility of freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Good to see you. Good seeing you. Ah. Well, we have just um, the last couple minutes, and I'm going to bring up um, um, Fudashi's poem for us to just look at again. Every night 
go to sleep together with Buddha. Every morning, arise together with Buddha. Moving or still, actions mirror each other. If you wish to know where this Buddha is, just say the word and there the Buddha is, in the sound of your own voice. Let's say the practice principles. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Thank you so much for that wonderful, wonderful teaching. I can still feel it all moving in my in my body. And I loved what you said at the beginning. You know, how soft can your breath be? And that's that stayed with me. That's that's still there. So thank you. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to offer Dana to Suzanne or any of our other teachers or for any of the Appamada's programs and facilities, then please do go to appamada.org forward slash contribute and you'll see opportunities there to offer donations for, for many things. So thank you all so, so much. And if you'd like to stay and connect uh, for, a, for a bit longer, for a further 30 minutes, then please do pop yourself into gallery view and um, and I'll, I'll be continuing with you for a further 30 minutes on the porch. So thank you all so much. Good to see you all. <laughs>